Seeking the Extraordinary is sponsored by The Colony Group, a national wealth and business management company that seeks the extraordinary by pursuing an unrelenting mission of providing clients with peace of mind and empowering their visions of tomorrow. To learn more about how The Colony Group manages beyond money, visit thecolonygroup.com. Welcome, fellow seekers of the extraordinary. Welcome to our shared quest. A quest not for a thing, but for an idea. A quest not for a place, but into deep, inner, unexplored regions of ourselves. A quest to understand how we can achieve our fullest potential by learning from others who have done or are doing exactly that. Extraordinary stories of overcoming anguish. Every single one of them had lost somebody from their family. I will never give up on trying to lessen that conflict. People who have stood up to challenges with true courage. Do something in life that, that you have a passion for, something that you enjoy and you find fulfilling. That's where you have your greatest success. Stories that will enlighten and inspire. What I said to him is absolutely a cliche, but the journey is more important than the end result. May we always have the courage and wisdom to learn from those who have something to teach. Join me now in Seeking the Extraordinary. I'm Michael Nathanson, your chief. On today's show, our guest is, according to the New York Times, the man the White House wakes up to. Some say he is among the most powerful and influential journalists in all of Washington, and they may be right. He is a co-founder of the renowned news outlet and platform Axios and previously was chief political reporter for Politico, where he created and wrote the well-known Daily Playbook while helping Politico reach new heights. He's also worked at Time, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and The Richmond Times-Dispatch. A winner of the White House Correspondents Association Merriman Smith Memorial Award for Outstanding presidential coverage. He is now the lead author of the daily Axios AM and PM newsletters. Please welcome the extraordinary Mike Allen. Welcome, Mike. Well, Mike, extraordinary yourself and congratulations on what you've built. Oh, well, thank you very much. You're very kind to say that, especially coming from someone like you. Mike, you know, I was spending a, a good amount of time. I am a daily subscriber, and uh, and I was spending some time learning more about you. And to me, you just seem like more than a journalist, and you certainly are at the height of that profession. Your career, to me, suggests that you are a journalist, an entrepreneur, a leader. And for that matter, I'd say that you're a visionary as well. How would you describe yourself? Mike, uh, thank you for that. And I'm honored to work at Axios, where we started five years ago with three of us. And now we have 500 colleagues. 15 years ago, I and two friends uh, built Politico. We started with three of us there and built that to 500 people around the world over uh, 10 years. And the exciting thing about building, Mike, as you know, is you get to create a better life for people who are working with you. and in our case, with a media company, you get to make an audience of demanding people smarter, faster. And that's what we've done with Axios. So I would add to your list, conversationalism. And that is every day with that Axios Daily Essentials, Axios AM, Axios PM in the afternoon, which I'm about to go and write and finish line in the evening, that I'm able to have a conversation with a large audience that 
I talk to as if we were having coffee together, sometimes maybe Irish coffee, but a conversation that people can trust, that's efficient, that doesn't waste their time, that doesn't insult their intelligence. I was I was I was reading about Axios and I guess I, one question I'd like to ask is you had a great thing going at Politico. Now, Axios has also grown to be something pretty extraordinary. But why leave Politico and and what were you trying to accomplish specifically with Axios? Yeah, Mike Axios is designed to help people get smarter, faster in a time when none of us have time when there's a constant war for attention and Axios, which covers business, tech, media, politics, China, climate, all the big topics that are shaping our world, Axios covers them in a clinical, efficient, trustworthy way. So that when people want to know what matters about the topics that are changing our next five to 10 years, that Axios is a place uh, that they can do that. So the big problem that we were trying to solve with Axios was that nobody had time. And the, the busier you are, the more that you need high quality, trustworthy information. But as we traveled around the country, talking to people like yourselves, traveled around the world, actually talking to people about their pain points as they consume information, there were two things that we heard again and again. And I think these will both resonate with you and with your listeners. One, people said, like, there's more information out there than ever, but just as there's more quality information, there's also more crap, right? Like very difficult to sort from the fire hose. And Mike, here's the second thing that we talked to busy, demanding, smart professionals around the world. And that is, they told us that when people told us again and again, that if I put something aside to read later, I'd never do. So the promise of Axios was that we can make you smarter in real time. And that's where smart brevity comes in. So our format, smart brevity, every story starts this one screen on an iPhone. You can, gives you the power to go deeper. Uh, you can get more information, but we know that people only have a very short amount of time and Axios is a place that they know they can come to, they can trust that what we're talking about matters and that we're going to do it in a way that respects their time. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's it's kind of, are you familiar with the platform Blinkist? Yes. For books, it's, it's, it, it almost sounds like a similar concept where the idea is to allow people who don't have a lot of time to absorb what they really need to absorb rather than having to read through an entire book. Yeah, and that in a way puts it on the audience member. I'm going to put it on journals. So we demand a lot more from our readers than we could, than we should or need to. So I came up in newspapers. You mentioned, thank you for mentioning the Richmond Times-Dispatch, where I spent some of the happiest years of my life. My first job out of college was with the, my first job out of college was with the Freelance Star in Fredericksburg, Virginia, an hour south of D.C. And so my roots are in local news. I worked on the Metro staff of the Post, on the Virginia staff. And when we were in newspapers, we thought that people wanted our words, right? Like if you had an important story, you made it long because it was more likely to go on the front page. And if you made it really long, it was more likely to run on the Sunday front page. And if it was even longer, maybe it would be nominated for a prize. And if it was even longer than that, maybe it would win <laughs> the prize. And so all of that was to serve the journalist 
or to serve the publisher model that they need to fill space between ads or they wanted you to have time on site. Well, but we have no time. And so the promise of Axios was, what if we build a media company that's designed not for the publisher or the journalist like me, but for the audience member? So the first two words of the Axios manifesto are audience first. And Mike, we put everything through that lens. Like, what are the topics that matter to you? How can we tell you what you need to know right away? And how can we do it in a way that will be friendly and that you'll remember what you need to? And that's where our Axios Smart Brevity grew out of. So I, I recently had the honor of interviewing Martin Luther King III, and he pointed out, we talked a, a, a great deal about the news today, and he pointed out that the news these days can and does make us all pretty upset. How do you feel reporting on current events? Yeah, no, it's a very real problem that you put your finger on. And the needle to thread is how can we tell people the reality of what's happening without it being a constant cycle of doom? And that's where we found real success with the news newsletter that we do in the evening Axios finish line. So I do Axios AM in the morning, Axios PM for when you're headed home for happy hour, and then finish line in the evening is a newsletter that doesn't have news, doesn't have politics. It's healthy, helpful, hopeful. Helping people lead a more rounded life, helping them talk about things that sometimes get left out of the news. And so, Mike, we've talked about books, asking people what they read. I and the two founders, co-founders of Axios, Roy Schwartz and Jim Van Eye, all three of us took a class in Transcendental Meditation. And so I now meditate twice a day, 20 minutes each time, each time. And Mike, the miracle of meditation is even if it does nothing else for you, it takes you off your phone for 20 minutes, twice a day. And so we wrote about that, got tons of response for Mother's Day. We, I gave a lesson from my mother, Jim Vandehei, Erica Pandy, my co-authors, I gave lessons from their mom. And then we asked people to write in with lessons from their Mothers. These are all very actionable, real life lessons, leadership lessons, management lessons, healthcare. We've talked about the importance of squats. We've talked about the importance of vitamin D. We've talked about the importance of sleep, which I don't uh, always live by, but I'm trying to more. And I think that that might get to the problem that you're talking about that, mm -hmm. that, that climate, a, a divided America, like some of these problems are so big. We won't solve it, but we can be healthier. We can invest in ourselves. The way somebody put it to me that was very resonant to me is that a big part of how long we live is that our genes, which certainly are very determinative, but a big part of that are three things that we can control. We can control how much we sleep, we control what we eat, and we control how much we move. And those three things, if I am getting um, advice, encouragement about those, that can change my life, prolong my life. I I, I actually uh, had the benefit of reading your 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 piece on uh, vitamin D, which I think you just put out. Was that this morning or last night? I uh, I, I did yeah. read that. So I had a physical, and I'm very fortunate that I don't all do all the right things, but I'm very fortunate that everything was great in the physical. But I had a vitamin D deficiency. It turns out talking to people that's very common, and it's something that's very fixable. So 
like in consultation with your doctor, you can spend time in the sun or you can do what I do and take a, a D3 vitamin. But it's something that is easy to fix, but is important to fix. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated that. And yeah, for our, our listeners, it is a, a very interesting platform in that it does contain much more than you would expect from a journalistic platform, which which is it's it's very enjoyable. I, I and they're they're they are quick and easy to read. So so what are the common themes in terms of the news cycle and the trends that you find yourself writing about more often these days? Yeah, so unfortunately, news so often is organized around crises, right? President Bob Obama, uh, the news, unfortunately, is so often organized around crises, right? When President Biden came into office, he actually formalized it. And he said that he had the connecting crises of COVID, the economy, climate change, and racial disparity, and said that those were the four problems that he was going to work on. Of course, that was before inflation. That was before war in Europe before these other uh, threats that have cropped up while he was in office. And over all of those, you have what some people call the silent civil war, the divided America. We just started in Axios Opinion Index to Americas. And Mike, something that's discouraging is that that isn't on its way to healing. Mike, you have conversations with leaders all the time that remind you that even though we have this split, divided America, something that encourages us is that most of America is normal. They don't necessarily show up in the news. We don't always see it in polling. But Mike, I would think about it this way. If you talk to, if you think about the people that you meet in an average year, and you meet a lot more people than the average fair, but for any one of your listeners, they think about the people that they personally interact with. How many people in your personal ecosystem like how many of them are basically pretty normal? That is like in a snowstorm, they would help you out. Like they don't spend uh, all evening glued to cable TV. They uh, volunteer. They donate. That's most of. Yeah, pretty much America. all. Yes, yes, exactly. But we that's not the America that we saw, see so often depicted. So amid all these crises, that reality is encouraging to me. So how much of it is is that things are worse today and how much of it is just the reporting? I think that the reality that are confront, confronting our globe and our country certainly is daunting. But I think that that's one of the reasons that people respond so well when you can point them to solutions, when they can you can point them to things that are healthy and hopeful. So in our Axios Finish Mine newsletter, one of the questions that we had that got incredible response was asking people of what they do to what, what they're doing in their lives to help bridge some of these divides. And like one of the things that makes me hopeful about politics, even though in the short run, it's hard to see how things get better. You know, as well as I do, the incentives for people who are running for national office. But something that makes me hopeful is that if you believe in markets, and certainly you and I do, like if you believe in markets, people are eventually going to get what they want, right? And if you ask people in polls, like, do you want government to work? Do you want the country to be able to converse with each other, to understand each other? 
to see the other side. People say that they want that. And that's a first step. And eventually people will get what they want, but it's hard. It's a ways off. Like one of the big things that's changed, two big things that have changed while I've been in this business. Like one is that we barely even want to hear the other side. Like that is totally new. Like it used to be people like to debate, people like to fight, whatever. Now you just almost don't want to hear the other side. There's mm-hmm. a second change. So in my newsletters, Axios AM, PM, when you hit reply, and this is true of all the Axios newsletters, including our Axios local, where we're in 25 cities, where we have reporters on the ground writing for their neighbors, about their neighbors, covering what matters in those communities. When you hit reply on one of our newsletters, it doesn't go to some big inbox. It goes to my personal inbox. I saw that. I have the easiest address in town, MikeAtAxios.com. As you know, and your team knows from setting this up, that's my real address. I don't have any other one. And when you hit reply on my newsletter, it comes to me. Why is that? Two things. One, I appreciate the privilege of being in your inbox with the Axios Essentials newsletters. And I show that you can instantly also access my inbox. And if you don't cuss, I will respond. I respond to all personal emails. Like if, if they're... Uh, if they're not a PG-13, less than I could do. But but any good faith email I personally respond to. But here's the other part of it, is it's a way for me to keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the country and the world. I try to travel a lot, even during shutdown, I tried to, to travel more than most in order to have conversations with people around the Mer- America. I have siblings in North Carolina and Oregon. Like Like having those conversations is very important to me. But the second thing that's changed, Mike, is that people are just angrier. Like the emails that I get are much more likely to be at a high decibel than they used to be. Mm. And something that at Axios we ask our colleagues to do is, and a great life lesson that we've talked about in Axios Finish Line, is assume positive intent. And that's very difficult to do in the moment. But Mike, when you think about it, People usually are, some people are just jerks to be jerks, but that's pretty rare. Usually if you have a disagreement, if somebody's done something that you hate, it's because either they weren't thinking about something important, they had something in their mind that wasn't right. There, there is probably some reason for it. And so if in a moment of conflict, this is very hard to do. It's much easier to talk about on a podcast than it is uh, to do in the moment. But if you assume positive intent, like ask them to talk out what they think the situation is, what their solution would be that very, very often can bridge what looked unbridgeable. So many of the emails now don't assume positive intent. It's just a measure of where our country is. But that's why it's been so refreshing and illuminating and and eye-opening to see how much we response we get when we write about these healthy helpful, hopeful topics, reminding people that like a very simple, cheap pleasure is coffee, right? And that actually is is healthy for you. It, it, this is one that surprised me. It's tr- that's true, even if it's decaffeinated, even with sugar. But if you can tell somebody something that's helpful to them, that shows that everything out there isn't doomed, like so much of what we read makes us feel bad. And sometimes it's because these are big, weighty topics. And there's a lot on the country and the world's plate at the moment. 
But a lot of it is the way that it's written, that the toxicity in the country, which seeps into our news. Mm. I I really like the concept of assuming positive intent. That's something that, that I think we should all follow that policy. So I just have a few more questions. I know that you're short on time. I, I'm imagining that someone of your stature, reputation, and level of accomplishment, that you develop personal relationships with some of the people that you report on, maybe even presidents. Is, is that true? And if it is true, is that a challenge? That's a great question. And the important thing is to always remember that wherever you are, you are there on behalf of your reader, on behalf of your audience. So audience first is the lens that we do everything for. And whether I'm on Air Force One or talking to, visiting with people at a cookout, like I'm there on behalf of the Axios audience. And the Axios audience is growing all the time. In addition to the Axios media company, the newsletters that we started with, the daily essentials newsletters that I have. But we also have Axios Local, 25 cities around the country where we have local colleagues who are writing for people they are from there and writing about what matters in those communities. We have Axios HQ, which is software that lets you write in Axios Smart Brevity that uh, helps people communicate with their internally with an effectiveness and a power that comes from the elegance, the efficiency of uh, Smart Brevity. And uh, we have Axios Pro, which is information for your job. And so hyper-relevant information that will help you if you're uh, concerned about climate deals or healthcare deals or tech deals. So like all of that is part of the Axios ecosystem. And so when I'm talking to a tech leader and when I'm sitting down and visiting with a tech CEO or a political leader or covering a political rally, all of that, I always think like, what would the people who are in the Axios audience ask? Like, what is it that really matters to them? Like, what is it that they will remember? Because, Mike, part of the, the magic of smart brevity, and you know this, you live this, is from any given conversation that you have on any particular uh, episode of Extraordinary, of any particular Zoom call that you do, any church, any meeting, any sermon, like any meeting, you're likely to remember one thing, right? Like, if you remember one thing from a dinner conversation, if you remember one thing from a seminar or a professional meeting, that's a win, right? And so the idea behind Axios Smart Brevity is we zero in, do the reporting, do the thinking, do the conversation that allows you to hone down that atom. What's the one thing that I want to, what's the one thing that I want to tell you that matters? And then just tell it to you and not bury it in the mountain of words that we were taught to do when I was coming up in newspaper. And so like that helps you sort out those relationships. And just one more thing about the, the getting to know people and how you draw that line and just always being clear that you're there as a journalist, that you're there on behalf of your audience. But like, I've learned that the more you talk to somebody, the more likely they are to talk to you as a human, to get beyond their talking points. Like I found that whether someone is a professional communicator or whether they're a business executive or whether they lead a college or whether they lead a nonprofit, that at first they're going to want to tell you whatever's on your mind. You're a professional conversationalist. You know this, that you experience this, that the, the, the people give you 
what starts as their message or the spin, but then the more you can have a real conversation, the more you can get to something real. So that's why a friend of mine told me that the best follow-up question in the world is, huh? Really? <laughs> or come on. Because that gets the person to explain themselves as a human, whereas before that we're programmed to more talk like politicians. Hmm. That could be my one takeaway from all of this. I, I have uh, two more questions for you, uh, and these are under our Extraordinary Teaching segment where I ask the same questions for each of my guests to observe similarities and try to identify commonalities among these extraordinary people, including yourself, who have appeared in the show. So here's my question for you. Do you have a personal mission? Yes. Uh, my personal mission is to, A, build Axios as the best place that there is to work, that everyone here will be personally and professionally fulfilled to make Axios an awesome place to work. And second, to serve the Axios audience, to make them smarter, faster on the topics that matter. And I think you're, you're already making some great progress in that regard. Did I read correctly that you already have 400 plus people? Yes, Axios is uh, now up to 500 people and we're luck or fortunate that we're growing. In addition to Axios, we now have Axios HQ, our software. We're adding new cities to Axios Local, now in 25, going to Infinity and Axios Pro, that hyper-relevant information for your job. So there's lots of exciting parts of Axios and it's so exciting to be part of something that's growing, especially in the media world where there's been a lot of bad news. Now, good news too, because of the wisdom of my business side colleagues, because of the great content from my newsroom colleagues, that we're able to produce something that's important to people, that matters to people, that they depend on, and that's a great privilege. My, my last question comes from, from my, my, my great affection for the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And, uh, and Stephen Covey says that we should begin with the end in mind, meaning not so much that we should be beginning projects with the end in mind, but rather everything we do, we should always be thinking about what people will one day say about us. Mike, what do you hope your legacy will be? What will people say about you one day? My legacy will be two great companies, Politico and Axios, which were great places to work, which are, will long uh, outlive anybody who's here, which is our dream, and which has made our audiences smarter, faster. That uh, we, our audience kept us, that they trusted us, they knew that we wouldn't waste their time, wouldn't insult their intelligence, and for Axios to run to infinity without me is my dream. Good dream. I can appreciate that. Any final words, Mike? Mike, I appreciate the fact that you have real conversations. Your listeners should know that you're working on their behalf, just as Axios works on the behalf of our audience. And this has been um, a great privilege. I'd love to continue this conversation with your listeners. Sign up.axios.com. Sign up.axios.com. You can get Axios AM PM finish line for a little healthy, hopeful content. And as we go, Axios, which in Greek means worthy, we aim to always be worthy of your time and attention. And that is the extraordinary Mike Allen. Thank you, Mike. Mike, thanks for the privilege of this conversation. You can learn more about Mike and Axios at axios.com. 
You can also join me and hundreds of thousands of others in following Mike on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Mike Allen. And thank you to our sponsor, The Colony Group. The Colony Group is a national wealth and business management company with offices across the country that itself seeks the extraordinary as it pursues its unrelenting mission of providing clients with peace of mind and empowering their visions of tomorrow. To learn more about The Colony Group and how it manages beyond money, visit thecolonygroup.com. You can also follow The Colony Group on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Colony Group. For Seeking the Extraordinary, I'm Michael Nathanson. Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Nathanson underscore MJ to learn more about my ongoing search for the extraordinary.